0: you yeah. Welcome to another episode of Season 2 of Cohort W. I am your host and USAWAC faculty member and current Warrant Officer Historical Foundation Fellow, CW5 Leonard Momney. In today's episode, my incredible guests will share some personal and professional experience, mentorship, and insight as a Senior Warrant Officer with ADA. Now, that Senior Warrant Officer will then examine How this insight should ultimately influence action, development, and education within their branch and the greater cohort. The conversation, as always, is going to be directed at uh, leader development, talent management, and what they are doing to support the Army for uh, LSCO or large scale combat operations. Finally, All Cohort W guests will have an opportunity to share a favorite anecdote from their career as a senior warrant officer. As mentioned earlier, today I am joined by a senior warrant officer from the uh, ADA, and I'm going to uh, not remove the sense of mystery here for just a moment longer, and I'll allow you to introduce yourself. So uh, thank you so much for your time today, cw 5 Brown.
1: Well, thanks a lot. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I really I really in- enjoy the chance to get to speak to the cohort and uh, provide mentorship, uh, not only to my branch, but to others. Um, it's phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal chance to uh, to be able to have that opportunity. So my name is Mitch Brown. Uh, I am the uh, Chief Warrant Officer of the Branch for Air Defense Artillery. Uh, I have three MOSs that I'm responsible for within ADA. It's uh, To me, it's a great time to be an air defender. Right. The, the Army's growing air defense. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're talking about doubling our, our force structure in, in the next eight years. So lots of opportunity for uh, for war officer growth and development within the branch that brings other uh, problems, you know, and we'll talk to later on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just a phenomenal
0: time, phenomenal uh, experience t- uh, to be here. And I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, sir. Uh, and that is a fantastic introduction. So uh, I was wondering, could you tell us how long you've been a warrant officer? This seems to be a fan favorite, especially with CW5s. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So February 1st, 2000 was the day I uh, was a,
0: uh, appointed W-1. So it's
1: been just over 22 years as a warrant officer. Uh, I joke in the branch, I got eight more to go till I'm forced out. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, right now I'm having fun, but
0: 30 years in the Army come this July, 22 of that as a warrant. That's fantastic. Now, sir, you had mentioned uh, that you, of course, were the uh, chief warrant officer of air defense artillery, but can you give uh, some specifics about the your MOS and MOS title and the three MOSs uh, that uh, fall under your purview?
1: Yep. So I am a 140 Alpha which, as of last week, we're now titled Air and Missile Defense Systems Integrators. Our previous title was C two Systems Integrator, kind of led to some misunderstanding in the maneuver world as to what uh, 140 alphas really do. Um, and then, so 140 Alpha Air, air and Missile Defense C two inter- Air Missile Defense System Integrators. 140 Kilo is Air and Missile Defense Tactician, and 140 Lima Air and Missile Defense Technician. Um, regardless of where we are in air defense. Uh, in the future, you'll find each of those MOSs there. Right now, alphas are everywhere where you see a maneuver force, everywhere where you see uh, an air defense unit. Uh, you'll have alphas. Kilos and limas are structured into air defense units only currently. We are growing those out into other air defense units as the force grows.
0: Can you, uh, can you tell our listeners... Just a little bit about uh, what your daily work entails, uh, because obviously, uh, you know, at a, a command chief position, you, you're an advisor, but also a leader. And and how does that work serve to the betterment of both uh, your branch and the army as a whole? So,
1: as the CWAB for ADA, you know, I, I have the great ability to interface with, with the Commandant on a daily basis, interface with the uh, Fire Center of Excellence, uh, CG on a daily basis, and with my other uh, GOs out there in the force, whether they're at an Army Air and Missile Defense uh, Command unit or uh, the Space Missile Defense Command. So my job absolutely as an advisor to all to the seniors of the branch on anything, whether it's technical uh, in any of my three MOSs whether it's dot mil PF focused, uh, as you look at, you know, here at, at the fire center of excellence, um, specifically, you know, uh, a direct, um, direct connection with, with the doctrine and the, the leadership and the talent management, uh, the training and the organization piece, uh, and the personnel piece, um, is what, you know, falls under my boss's purview and which for warrants falls to me directly. Uh, and then oversight to the material and the, the facilities and the, uh policy portions you know i reach out to the various agencies to to uh uh deal with those which is interesting because as as a warrant officer right we're we're very technically focused we we look at our mos and just our mos for for the life of of our career and to come into a job like this that is not your mos really it it's very Dot pf centric is it can be a challenge, and having a, a background in in, in that kind of helps, right? Fortunately, you know I've I've worked in Tradoc a couple times, I've worked in ATEC, I've worked in uh, Futures Command, so I've I've been fortunate enough to have little pieces of that dot pf world throughout my career. So I fell into this seat kind of kind of having a decent idea of of what to expect, not a not a great idea for sure, but yeah, on a daily basis, I'm you know I'm looking at at um, POI redesign, at course redesigns, uh, structure redesigns for our new sh- uh, shore ed and um, integrated fire protection systems, uh, counter UAS uh, designs, j- both equipment uh, and personnel uh, function or, uh, organization designs, right, and trying to ensure that critical tasks are are looked at and put in the right MOS. Uh, for the warrants and, and bleed over into the enlisted since they're our feeder. You know, I try to make sure that, that I, I keep the enlisted MOSs on track so that they feed us naturally and, and we're not causing a gap by what they change. So, I mean, it, in a daily day-to-day, that's really what I do. It's a lot of meetings, you know, to talk this kind of stuff and a lot of brainstorming, uh, whiteboarding sessions to really get after how to grow the air defense branch, to support the Army, to support large-scale combat ops, and, and to support where we're going by 2030.
0: Now, earlier you had mentioned that uh, ADA was seeking to grow. And, and I think that uh, this is going to be uh, a very important, and it's going to probably piggyback off what you were saying earlier about making sure that the NCO education complements what could potentially feed into the Warrant Officer sessions. Uh, what are some specific initiatives or focal points regarding leader development and talent management that you would like to communicate to the warrant officers in your branch and the leaders they support.
1: So about 18 months ago, um, me and my proponent warrant officer sat down and we're looking at a issues that we've had, right? We haven't made a in one of our MOSs in over 10 years. Um, you know, as, as requirements grew, assessments sessions didn't, and we weren't making a So we're, so we're trying to figure out how do we make more kilos? How do we get NCOs invested in becoming a warrant officer? Uh, you know, how do we, how do we, you know throw the dangle the carrot better to get these guys to our guys and gals to come work for us and um we sat down and we thought about you know what's the culture of the branch what are we how are kilos looked at how are how are warrant officers being used in the branch how are we seen by not not just seniors uh but each other by the enlisted side by the n c o s uh by the officer corps and we realized that we had kind of a problem uh so we put together what we called the culture campaign and it really gets after us warrants, right? Policing ourselves up um, and trying to be the stewards of the of the cohort and the branch to affect change within the branch. And, and the nice thing about being CWAB is I have that direct line to all the warrants in the branch, right? So there's 400, 450 of us uh, currently on the active side. So I could reach out and touch them every day if I need to. So I can use them as instruments of change. And so what we did was we, we looked at this and hey, how are we looking at NCOs, what are we looking at for sessions? And you know, for years we've always told NCOs, hey, you know, at the eight-year mark, you know, if you're under eight years, don't put a packet in because you you may not make W four and get forced out. Um, You know, which we lost a lot of good NCOs. They're like, well, if I gotta wait, I'm not, I'm not, just not gonna do it. So we've gone back and and we've looked at, okay, start grooming or not grooming, but start, um, start developing uh, soldiers. As soon as they get to the unit, regardless of of their MOS, regardless of where they are in in your battery, uh, put your arms around them and pull them in and start developing them to be better air defenders. Because at at the end of the day, when uh, when a soldier becomes an NCO, he kind of has he's at a crossroads. He has four decisions to make for for his the rest of his life. Right? He either gets out of the army. He stays the NCO track, becomes a sergeant major, and strives for sergeant major of the army. He becomes a warrant officer and goes in the technical field, and, you know, and follows in our footsteps. Or he becomes an officer and goes down the the leadership path. And to me, all of those are great options, right? Well, the last three are great options, right? I don't want anybody to do the first one. I want all. I want us to keep everybody we got because I know we're growing. And I, what I tell the my warrants in the branch is, hey. Start to develop these young soldiers so they understand what these options are. And regardless of what option they pick, they're going to make the branch more lethal. They're going to make themselves more lethal, and it's going to be a win. The more people that know about being a warrant, they'll go warrant, and we'll get the numbers. The more that know about officer, don't go officer, we'll get the numbers for that. And those that don't, that decide that, that they want the NCO challenge, that's great. We'll have better NCOs. I would love to have super technical NCOs in my branch and super technical officers in my branch because we cultivated that at a young age. So that's really where the culture campaign uh, got its genesis was how do we bolster not just the warrants, but the branch as a whole to make us more lethal and to get those different cohorts better trained and better uh, prepared for the future.
0: What education or training, whether technical or common core, do you see as being relevant and impactful to the development of your branch? And can you explain why you feel that way? Sure. So so for warrant officers, for us, right, because
1: we are, uh, whether we're, you know, integrators, technicians, or tacticians, you know, we creative and critical thinking are, are the problem sets or skills that we absolutely thrive on uh, in our branch, right? Every day when I go to work, I, you know, I, I used to joke, every day is Monday for me when I go to work because, you know, Monday's the worst day of the week and you never know what's going to happen and all these problems are going to arise, and you have to be able to creatively and critically think to get those uh, to get those problems solved and keep the the systems and the unit running and functioning and and out there in, in the fight. Um, so you know between those, being able to uh, to talk to your boss, brief, uh, give briefings, do uh, written communication, whether it's exums or op orders or white papers. You know we stress a lot of that uh, in our education platforms and in in just in the regular world, you know, we have the air defense journal that we publish twice a year. I'm always reaching out to Warrens. Hey, you need to get published, you know, write an article for the journal, give us so something that you're doing, that your unit's doing, that's unique, that's new. And, uh, let us get you published, get, have that experience of writing. So, you know, between those and being able to have, uh, the seat at the table and have that unvarnished discussion with your leader, with your leadership and your boss, Right. As the SME, you know, that, that's the kind of training requirements that we look at and that we and that we foster within our community. It's not just the warrants, right? I, we talk to the captain's career course. We talk to the pre command course. Uh, when I go out on my visits, I sit one on one with, uh, brigade and battalion commanders and their sergeants, majors. Uh, I sit with battery commanders, first sergeants and, and have this discussion with them. And I talk to the, all the way down to private. You know, from E1 to E9, I want to have that discussion. Uh, you know, from 01 to 07, I want to have that discussion and ensure that they understand where the branch is going. And not, again, not just the warrant officer cohort, but the branch as a whole. And of course, I do flavor towards the warrant officer cohort because I am a little bit biased. I do want, you know, to get uh, as many warrants as I can. I want the talent in on my side of the fence. Um, but yeah, we, we look at it as it's just an all encompassing from, from day 1 at the unit to to the day before retirement you know you're we're going to keep you know talking to you about this and, and you know striving to uh to make the branch understand how uh how we do this growth for uh for everybody.
0: Uh, in a lot of the branches and the cohort at large there are various positions such as senior warrant officer advisor, command chief warrant officer, chief warrant officer of the branch. But uh, can you comment toward how senior warrant officers in your branch or field are, are, are vetted and selected for those specific roles?
1: Yeah, so so it, it's, it's interesting. We're about to change the paradigm on how we do this. In the past, it's always kind of been the CWOB has kind of uh, managed this and reached out to the GOs uh, that that, that uh nominative position is going to work for and kind of work with that geo and hey who would you like to have and here's who i think would fit and it's always kind of been a one-on-one conversation so starting uh this summer and and in october uh we have the the board of directors for air defense right which is all of our GOs. they get together and and historically the bod the board of directors has always made decisions on um 05 and 06 movement right who's going to be battalion commander of this battalion or that battalion, that brigade, keep key developmental positions of their ranks. So I've taken these nominative positions to the BOD, and I've said, hey, look, I want your buy-in on who we're putting where. So I've been working on a brief for the past couple of weeks with uh, with some of my CCWOs, and we're, we're really getting after showing the, the, the BOD director and, and the panel members, hey, this is what the field looks like for our senior warrants, uh, good, bad, or ugly and and showing them how they rack and stack based off some of the uh, qualifications that we think are important and uh and then show them these are the ones that we think would fit in this job these are the ones that we don't and why and let the gos make that decision as a group so they we have full buy-in for the branch and we understand you know what they're looking for and and we have that discourse openly
0: so uh, next question. Uh, what would you say to a CW three or even CW four that aspires to someday rise to the position that you now hold?
1: Hmm. I've got I've got a CW two. I talk to all the time. He already wants my job. It's great. Um. So you know, I tell him, hey, h- have that discussion early with your with your with your leadership, right? Um. Keep keep abreast of what's going on in the branch. Keep abreast of the CWAP. Keep in contact with me and the CCWOs. Express early that you're interested in those kind of jobs, but you know work towards them. If if you can get DOT MILPF experience, great. If you can't, that's understandable. But there's there's ways to get experience outside of being in the job. You know you can go to um, DAU and take classes on your own for for the JIDs process and how some of these, uh, you know, the different dot mil PF functions work. Uh, you can, you know, get, get spun up on our doctrine and, and not just air defense, but army doctrine you know, um, and, and fully understand how we fit into the army as a whole. Air defense is a bad habit of being ADA, a different army, um, you know, cause we, we kind of stove piped ourselves uh, for a long time. So we're not as, Army as the rest of the army. Interestingly enough, so you know we're trying to get back to that. We're, especially as we're growing the the shore battalions out. So for those threes and fours out there, you know, get invested in in the change. Get invested in the growth of the branch of the the mentorship, and understanding where the uh, where the branch is headed and what the doctrine is going to change to. And and how that change really happens, you know, try to try to get a peek behind the curtain now. So that when you get here, it's uh, it's not as, you know, mind boggling.
0: It has been said that experience is the best teacher. Now, as both a CW5 and a a senior warrant officer, what experienced success or even failure have you learned from the most?
1: So. All right. So I'm going to tell a a story. Hopefully it's quick. And and really, I think it's going to answer question two and three. Um so so there I was. It was 2003. We're in Iraq. Um I'm a W2. I'm sitting at the brigade level looking watching the scope. Uh as air defenders, we were responsible for TBMs uh coming in tactical ballistic missiles, Scud missiles coming in from Iraq uh and we're protecting the force. And I had been sitting on that scope by myself. This was uh this was early April. Uh we had an incident where we shot an F-18 down. So I'd been sitting on that scope watching it since one March without a break. I slept in the van, um, I showered in the van, I ate in the van, and I just lived at the scope. Radio's blaring all around me, it didn't matter. And and after the this F eighteen incident, and uh I got to thinking, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, why am I the W 2 in here? you know staring at this scope hair's growing wild i'm just i look like a freaking you know caveman up in here nobody knows who chief is anymore he's hiding in the in the van uh but i'm doing the mission i'm making sure that the the battalion and the brigade is are functioning and uh i look right down at the bottom of, of the the steps of the van there's my two ins- or my two soldiers e4's sitting there and they're taking shifts you know working out there i'm like all right somewhere chief messed up Why is chief up here not getting any sleep? And those two guys are sleeping, you know, 12 on 12 off. So I'd realized uh, that I had uh, hoarded all that knowledge. I was the one go-to guy for anything in my MOS, anything that had to do with that shelter and that scope uh, in the brigade. And I wouldn't let my NCOs touch the systems. I wouldn't let my Joe's touch the system. it was just chief. it's my system. I'm going to make sure it runs. And you know six, eight weeks of doing that straight and eating nothing but MREs, uh, I realized that's probably not the best way to do business. So I thought right then man this is this has got to change. So when we got back from Iraq in, in, uh, in June, uh, I, I pulled all my NCOs and I'm like, hey look here's the deal. I'm not touching the equipment again. I'm going to teach y'all how to do it. Y'all are going to figure it out. We're going to get better at this. And uh, I, I learned, you know, during that that deployment, um, that as the warrant, I have to step back. I have to let those NCOs and those soldiers uh, grow and, and and get that knowledge. That that knowledge. And, um, and so that's where I started understanding what mentorship was and what the warrant's role really is for for ensuring success through the NCOs and the soldiers and not, you know, on my back alone. So after that, man, it made my life easy um, to the point where when I made W-5, I was sitting at an Air and Missile Defense Command. We deployed our entire talk to Qatar. It was probably 75 days downrange for an exercise. And I didn't have to do anything. I stood there and I watched, and I made directions and I said, hey, you know, we should probably do it this way or that way. And I didn't have to touch equipment at that point. I did because I wanted to, but I didn't have to. And it was so much easier. And And uh, the responsibility was still on my back, but I knew I had other warrants. I had NCOs and soldiers that were trained properly that could f- perform. And it, it life was so much easier by then. It was uh, so great to fully understand that I am the leader, but I don't have to be the doer. Right, I can task that down, and and I have to task that down to ensure the branch survives. Because when I left the unit as a W two, nothing got done because it was like, well, chief does all that. We don't know what to do. That's really, you know, what I learned is is step back away from um, what you think you need to do. Really identify what your job really is and the scope of your job is, and don't go taking other people's duties. Let you know, hold their feet to the fire. Make sure they can get it done.
0: It is so great, uh, you know, to to hear uh, senior warrant officers talk both the importance of doctrine and, and sharing mentorship with those that they seek to serve. Uh, thank you so much, CW Five Brown, for your time and sharing how a senior warrant officer's leadership in their branch can ultimately contribute to meet the doctrinal requirements for both the uh, current and future fight. Just, I, I really appreciate your time today, sir.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, as this was, uh, uh, I really look forward to doing this. Like I said, I'd love to get back to the, to the branch and the cohort any way I can. Uh, and this, this seemed like a great opportunity to do it. So thanks for, thanks for inviting me.
0: For updates on cohort W and the Warren Officer Historical Foundation, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Simply search for at WOHF1918 or Warren Officer Historical Foundation. Finally, to learn more about how you can support programs like this, please visit WarrantOfficerHistory.org. Thank you.